Hello and thank you for listening to this Table Church Sermon Podcast. If you pay attention to the news, then you'll know that the topic of immigration is a big topic. But what you may not realize is that it's a big topic in the Bible too. In this series, we're looking at the Bible's teaching about loving those who are displaced from their home. So join us for this series. It's called Sojourners, The Good News for Immigrants. It's going to be February 4 to 18 as we discover that this topic actually has a lot more to say about God's compassionate heart than we may have realized. And as always, if you need anything, reach out to us. Find us at our website, tablechurchdsm.org. And if you want to learn more about the Immigrant Connection office that we just opened, uh, check it out on our website, tablechurchdsm.org slash ic-home. That's the letters I-N-C-home. Thanks for listening, and please enjoy this teaching. Well, I'm going to invite our guest speaker to join me on stage. Uh, Zach is the executive director of Immigrant Connection National, and as you guys know by now, we have launched an Immigrant Connection site here at Table Church. Now, before I hand it over to Zach, I also want to mention that uh, this week kicks off the Lenten season, and so this Wednesday is Ash Wednesday. And uh, if you want to celebrate Ash Wednesday, it's, it's a season of just kind of fasting as we anticipate and prepare ourselves for Good Friday and then Easter. Um, so this Wednesday night at the ministry center in the prayer room, I'm going to be there from 6 to 7.30. We'll have ashes in there. If you just want to come and sit in the prayer room and pray a little bit, if you want to, uh, you know, do the ashes on your forehead, if you want to come pray with me, I'll be there and be happy uh, just to, to hang out and to see what the Lord might have for us. We'll send an email to remind you about that, but if you're thinking about what it might look like, I want to invite you to do that uh, this Wednesday night. All right? So like I was saying, Zach, he oversees Immigrant Connection, and, and he's got a tremendous heart for refugees and immigrants in our country, and he's got a lot of really wonderful and interesting facts, not only about the Bible, but about our country and about our state that he's going to share with you and some of the changing demographics here. And so, Zach, thank you so much for coming, and um, like I said, I'll mention it one more time, we have a Q&A with him at noon at the Ministry Center, bring your own lunch, but we'll have dessert there for you, and it'll be really, really helpful for you to kind of get your head around what we're doing and why, and be prepared to answer any questions that you might have moving forward, all right? So would you please join me in welcoming Zach Samara. It's great to be here with you this morning. Uh, I'm the founder and executive director of Immigrant Connection, but I'm also a local church pastor. I pastor a church in Logansport, Indiana, where most of you vacation. I've seen you there now. A little, little tiny town of 18,000 uh, in northern, north central kind of uh, Indiana. So uh, when I'm not there uh, at my church, I get to come around and talk to churches that are a part of the Immigrant Connection movement, and it's always fun just to be in new places and be in new churches that have God's heart um, lived out uh, in the community that realize the gospel is far bigger than the box we sometimes put it in. And so just a delight to be with you uh, here this morning. Uh, when I was in kindergarten, uh, I still remember this because I, I have this phrase memorized, but when I was in kindergarten, uh, the homeroom teacher of mine was Miss Miller, invited us to line up and we had to go to the nurse's office twice a year. I don't know if this happens in Iowa public schools, but I grew up in Ohio when this happened. And uh, we would go and we would go to the nurse's office and we would stand in a line outside the nurse's office and one by one, we'd step into the doorway and look across her office and if you said D-E-F-P-O-T-E-C, you went back to homeroom with Miss Miller. And if you didn't say D-E-F-P-O-T-E-C, you went to Mr. Samuels, who was our principal. 
I had no clue what was happening, but I was a smart kid and I was good at memorizing things. I've always been good at memorizing. So I stood in the doorway and I looked across at I don't know what they were looking at because I couldn't tell. And I said, D-F-B-O-T-E-C. Some of you might know that's the 2020 line of the Snell and I chart. What they were doing was just testing to see if like we had good vision or not. I didn't know that. Like all I knew was if you did one thing, this happened. If you did another thing, this other thing happened. And I was blind and didn't really know it. In fact, that happened for years. I think there's a lot of kids probably like me who just assume no one can see the board. We just learn to say what everyone else is saying and that helps we get by. I think when it comes to complex things in the world today, complex topics like immigration, the church has a tendency to do the same thing. Like we're blind and have blind spots and we don't even know it. We just say what other people around us say. We have learned how to just to echo back what like our friend group or our families or what we see on social media and it helps us get by. All the while, I think in some of the most complex issues, God is speaking and we might not be listening because we've just learned how to not realize our own blindness. We've just learned just to kind of speak into the vacuum And it works, and it works for a long time. I always start by sharing that just to say, like, I think I was in my 30s before I ever realized that God spoke about immigrants or immigration. I thought much like who God roots for, for, like, who should win the Super Bowl, which is obviously the Cleveland Browns because he loves underdogs. Um, No, sorry. Uh, Like, that was one of those things that, like, you just kind of made your own decision and went with it. But if you would just be humble this morning and realize that we might not know what we don't know, that we might have blind spots that we don't really realize, that we might have fuzzy vision and not be aware of it, I'd just love to just kind of explore to you what what God has to say because God speaks very frequently, very directly, very boldly about how people of faith should view immigrants and immigration. So I'm gonna start with my favorite story. This is my favorite story in the the whole Bible, actually. and, and it's going to be up on the screen above me. But this is a story in Acts uh, chapter 8. So now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join the chariot and stay near it. That's Acts chapter 8 verses 26 to 29. Some of you may know that story. Some of you, if you're like me and you heard it first in a Sunday school class, probably in your mind's eye as I told that story, you viewed it I shared in the earlier service, like I, I grew up, I'm old enough that we had felt boards, you know, that's what we did. And some of you know, there were like cut out characters on felt and they would throw them up on this board of felt and they would stick to them and the teacher would tell the story. And so the way I've always imagined the story is one guy, Philip, he would have been a native born uh, Israel, Israelite encounters another person from North Africa, an immigrant. So he wasn't born in Israel. He's just visiting Israel for a time and a purpose. And they're all by themselves on this road. 
That is not how the story actually would have been for the first century audience. They would have realized the road from Jerusalem to Gaza would have been like a major international highway. It was one of probably the four most busy traversed roads in the whole ancient Near East. It was the road that went from the middle of Israel, that's the ridge route, to the sea route, which is by the Mediterranean Sea. In fact, we just came from the Christmas time. This would be the same road that Mary, Joseph, and Jesus fled on when they fled from Herod and went to Egypt when they themselves were refugees. And so the reality is this road would have been busy. Philip and the Ethiopian would have been one of probably thousands on the road, many languages, many cultures, lots and lots happening. So if you just kind of picture that in your mind, like picture probably one of the most diverse spaces you might have ever been in, like that's what this road would have been like. There would have been immigrants all around. The reality is it's a picture of our world today. 281 million people live outside their country of birth, Uh, Whether we say like immigrants or foreign born or alien or foreigner, like it's all like the definition is the same. If you are currently residing somewhere and it's a place where you weren't born, you are by definition an immigrant or a foreign born national. That's how the census kind of shares it. And we have more immigrants in our world today than ever before living in all different types of places. We have more immigrants living in the United States than ever before. 50 million immigrants live in our country more than any time in our history. About 15.3% of the population are immigrants. If you do immigrants and their kids, more than one in four of the population is an immigrant or their child. So the reality is immigrants are all around us. In Iowa, what is unique, you have about 174,000 immigrants in your state, which honestly, and I, and I live in Indiana, so not putting down rural states at all, like we don't have large populations, so 174,000 compared to like New York, Texas, or California is not a lot of immigrants. However, your growth of immigrants is astounding. In the past 20 years, from like 2000 till now, your native-born population grew by 3%. Your foreign-born population grew by 110%. It's more than doubled. In fact, Des Moines, where we're at, out of every city in the whole United States, you have the second largest population growth of immigrants between uh, 2010 and 2020. And so what is unique is maybe you've noticed this, like supermarkets changing, your restaurants changing, your neighborhood changing, your schools. Like there are immigrants in proximity to you. They're, they're, they're in the same classrooms, they're in the same hospitals, they bank in the same places, they're in your neighborhoods, in the workforce. But here's the thing. As the people of God, proximity to immigrants does not seem to be enough for God. And the reason why I know that is because in, in Acts chapter 8, the Holy Spirit will call Philip a second time. Remember, the first time is to a place, a place where there's proximity to immigrants. The second time he calls him to go in, the Greek word is uh, kalao. Uh, you can use that on trivia later. So kalao is a Greek word. It's the Greek word that's the root for glue. So in some ways, it's like the Holy Spirit says, go over and stick like glue to. I think in terms of uh, Lego, I have a, a son, and so Lego has been a part of my life now for well over a decade. And um, if you think about Lego, if someone told you, like you had a friend who said, like, I have the best Lego in the world, and like you went in this room, and all they had was big tubs of Lego, just all in little pieces, all spread out, 
you'd be like, that's really cool, like lots of different shapes and sizes, but do you have any idea what you're supposed to do with Lego? Like, you're not just supposed to collect pieces, you're supposed to build, you're supposed to, like another way to think about collawing is, anytime you take a piece of Lego and connect it to another, you're collawing the pieces. Like, that's how you build something strong and beautiful and vibrant. That's the kingdom of God at work. The kingdom of God looks and says, proximity, just having a bunch of different colors and shapes and sizes is not enough. My call as the Holy Spirit is to claw, to share your life, to journey with, to join the journey. And so Philip is called as a native-born citizen to Kalao or to connect with the Ethiopian along that journey. I think it's a call that resonates throughout the whole arc of scripture. This isn't just in this story. Um, Phil talked about this a, a little bit uh, la- last week, but like throughout scripture, again and again and again, there are calls of God to care for immigrants. 92 times the, the Hebrew word ger shows up in the Old Testament. There's only three love commands in the Old Testament. It's love God, it's love neighbor, and then God says, I'm the God of God and Lord of Lords. I'm the great and mighty God. I'm the awesome God. I show no partiality. I produce care for widows and orphans. I love immigrants, so you too love immigrants. Let me say that again. God says to his people, the family of God, I love immigrants, so you too love immigrants. Here's the reality. If you're a person of faith, if you're not a person of faith in this room, if this is something new to you, I have to convince you and share. And I think there's lots of great reasons why we should share that immigrants and refugees are amazing for our communities. But if you are a person of faith in this room, it's an obedience thing. God says, I love immigrants. There is no footnote in that verse that says a certain type of immigrant who comes from a certain place, who's in a certain category, who speaks a certain language, who looks a certain way, who's done something or not done something. It's simply God says, no, immigrants are my beloved, and so they too are your beloved. Throughout the whole Testament, God will remind his people again and again and again to love immigrants. Over 30 times he will say love immigrants and almost every single reminder has a tangible activity associated with it. God will say, love immigrants, give them the Sabbath rest. Love immigrants, invite them to your feasts and festivals. Love immigrants, pay them a fair wage. Love immigrants, make sure when you do your harvest that you leave some of the crop behind so immigrants can feed themselves. Love always has tangible action in the kingdom. It isn't just a nice feeling or nice posts. On, it's always tangible action in the scripture. In the New Testament, there are lists of what it means to be a leader in the church. There's three of them. Uh, Paul writes two of them. Peter writes one of them. On every single one of the lists, the characteristic that overlaps and is on every single list is the characteristic that we in English refer to as hospitality. Hospitality is one of these words, if you're someone who knows multiple languages, you know that sometimes we just can't translate things very well. And so you're like, I, I, wish, I wish you just knew this language so that you could grasp the meaning of this word. Hospitality in English usually means you host the Super Bowl party. 
Probably some of you are doing that tonight. And some people say, oh, you have the gift of hospitality. Like you always host Thanksgiving for your family or the Super Bowl party or you always have friends over or someone's always staying in your guest room. That's great. That probably means you're an extrovert. You like people. Um, and I'm an extrovert and I think that's normative. My wife's an introvert. I think there's always something, are you mad at me? Did I do something wrong? Why are you by yourself reading a book? She's like, that's what normal people like to do. It's like, whether you're an extrovert or introvert, God loves you and can use you. But hospitality has nothing to do with introverts and extroverts. Hospitality has nothing to do with inviting your friends and family over your house. Hospitality has nothing to do with having your in-laws in your spare bedroom. I think that's a God thing to do, but that isn't hospitality. Hospitality is literally in Greek, philoxenos, philo, love, xenos, immigrants. That's radical. A characteristic that all church leaders are supposed to have is philoxenos, loving immigrants. Matthew 25, 35 is the passage that we probably use the most when it comes to immigrants. If you know Matthew 25, this is a list where Jesus kind of says the people that love him and follow him, not just in word, but in deed, are people that clothe the naked, are people that house the homeless, are people that give you know, a glass of water to drink to the thirsty, they visit the incarcerated, they welcome immigrants. That's Matthew 25, 35. What you might not know about that passage, though, is it's not about individual acts of kindness. In Matthew 25, the context says that at the end of the age, God is going to gather the ethnos. Ethnos is groups of people, not individuals. And so that whole passage in Matthew 25 says, how do we as a group, I don't know how big the group is, I just know it has to be more than just you as an individual. So, so Matthew 25 is saying, how do you as a family, like think about your family, how welcoming are you? Like do you know your neighbor's names? Like have you tried to understand who the immigrants that work with you are? Do you invite them to your lunch table at work? Maybe it's more than the family, maybe it's your neighborhood. How welcoming is your neighborhood or how welcoming is table church to immigrants? How welcoming are the systems we put in place in Des Moines, in Iowa, in the United States. I don't know how big the group is, but Matthew 25 is not about individual actions. It's about the collective. It's about saying, how do we as a people love and welcome immigrants? And are our systems welcoming? So God speaks again and again and again in scripture. And, and that's just knowledge. The reality is, is there, there has to be know, some action with this knowledge. And so when, when I, for the first time, I was 30 years old. I think I get a lot of credit for Immigrant Connection. I was 30 years old and an immigrant invited me to lunch. I had served as a missionary overseas and so I had been to the far parts. Uh, I had, you know, eaten unique foods and been around other cultures. I think in college I probably was around international students, but I don't think it was until I was 30 years old that I ever actually shared a meal with an immigrant. And Nico invited me to, to lunch, Lindy Isaac and I with his family, and that lunch transformed my life. Because Nico loved me and welcomed me. It wasn't like I read scripture, I wish that was a story. I so wish I could say, I, I understood that God called me to this and, and my blindness was healed and I started doing it. But what changed my life was an experience. I, I met an immigrant and an immigrant forever shaped me to saying, I wanna offer love and welcome in a way that it was offered to me. And so Logan Sport, Indiana, um, 
much like here, because of the type of work we have in Iowa and Indiana, newcomers continue to come to our places. Uh, you know, Perry, Iowa has a Tyson Fresh Foods plant. Uh, Logansport, Indiana has a Tyson food plant. So my population is 20% immigrants in a little town of Logansport. 20 years ago, it was 99.5% white or Anglo. And now it is very diverse and very immigrant. And so when we came to Logansport for the first time in my life, I started learning about immigrants and befriending immigrants. And, and as they were in my life, I started understanding that the thing that was asked about again and again and again was access to documents and access to navigate um, what is a very difficult um, journey. I mentioned I was a missionary. Uh, I always think at this time, when it comes to what immigrants are looking for, uh, to a time I spent when I was in Mozambique. So I was in Mozambique. I have more traffic violations in Africa than I do in the United States. I don't know if I could go back. They might, but I would get pulled over all the time for all kinds of things. I just didn't know like the laws very well, and I also sped. I guess that was that was on me. Uh, but but one of the reasons I got pulled over all the time was in Mozambique. You on your windscreen on your windshield, you had all these stickers, and the stickers kind of said like you had insurance, you were paying your taxes and all of that. And so uh, a police officer could just look at your windshield and can tell whether you should be pulled over or not. Well, I kept being pulled over because there was one sticker, it was a circle, it was light blue in color, and it was that you paid the radio tax. I kid you not, it was less than $5. I, we couldn't get a radio station really anywhere I lived, but, but if you had an antenna, it means you should be paying the radio tax because you could. And so we kept getting pulled over and fined that it was far more than what the sticker cost. So I told Lindy one day, it's like, we're going we're gonna to find where this sticker is. Like, we're going we're gonna to get this. And so we asked around and they said, well, Zach, you buy this radio sticker at the radio station, which makes sense. And so one morning I would look for any tower I saw and I would drive there. And that tower would not be the radio station. It would be like a cell tower. I don't know how to really tell the difference. But all morning I'm driving to towers and it is not a radio station. It's just a cell tower. So I did what some of you, if you're of a certain age, know. Before we had cell phones that like had all the maps and stuff, you used to stop at a gas station and ask for directions. So in Africa I stopped. It was actually a BP station. I stopped at the BP station and, and as I was filling up my, my gas, I leaned over to this Mozambican young man who was pumping my gas and I said, hey, looking for the radio station, I need to buy one of these radio stickers. And he looks to his colleague who's pumping gas kind of next to him, and they start talking in Makua, which is the, the dialect where we lived, and they kind of talk to each other, and then they got in the passenger side of the vehicle, and I got out the driver's side of the vehicle because <laughs> I had no clue what was happening, and they laughed, and they said, no, 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 no. To go in that direction does not mean we go. To go means we go together. It's a Makuan proverb. Basically what it means is if you just give directions, you're going to get lost. And getting lost in Africa isn't the wisest thing to do. It's like the only way to make sure you can get to the destination you need to go to is if they join the journey and go with you. To this day, I have no idea how they just left work, but sure enough, they drove me until I would never have made it with directions. I mean, all the twists and turns, but we finally made it to the radio station. I got the radio sticker to be able to pay the, the radio tax. But I think back on that, and I think there are so many people. In fact, if you know the story in Acts chapter 8, Philip Kalaos with the Ethiopian, 
And he says, do you understand what you're reading? And the immigrant says, how can I unless someone hadageo, that's a Greek word again, it means how can I unless someone guides me? I think often we think people want answers or they want like pamphlets or books. Read this book, go to this website, read this article, watch the People want people to join the journey. They're looking for guides, people to say, would you share life with me? Would you walk beside me? Would you help me navigate this maze with moving walls? That's what Immigrant Connection is about. In the 1960s, there was this program in the federal government that allowed non-attorneys, so that means you didn't have to go to law school, you didn't have to pass the bar. If you were a non-attorney, just a regular person, and you got training and experience in immigration law, you had to pass a test to prove competency. If you were attached to a nonprofit, you could provide immigration legal services for your community. That seems crazy and far-fetched and like it's a myth or a legend, but it's existed in the book since the 1960s. I heard about it about 11 years ago now, and uh, I joke that I, I love ideas. That's my thing. I have about 100 ideas a day. Most of them are really bad, and Lindy kind of sorts through them and says no to most of them, which is really good. And I came home when I learned about this program, and I said, Lindy, there's this program that would allow someone like me who has no legal training, but if I went and got training, I could come back to Logansport, and, and we might be able to help. And Lindy said, I think we could help some of our friends. Like, you should do this one. This, this idea <laughs> passes the test. And so I went and did that. We opened our first Immigrant Connection office in February of 2014, about 10 years ago in Logansport. Um, and since then, we've helped 27,000 immigrant families. Uh, what happened with a few of our friends, our friend group grew, um, and we just learned there are so many immigrants out there, like Nico, who invited me to lunch, that have the same pressing need. It's like, yes, we know everyone needs like housing and food and transportation and education and childcare. Like, those are the needs of everyone, but immigrants have this need above that, which is access to immigration legal services, because getting and maintaining immigration lawful status it ties to all those other needs. And yet, with 50 million immigrants in the country, there are only about 17,000 immigration attorneys and only about 800 nonprofits doing this work. So we are far behind. There are so many people who drive literally like three, four, five hours and spend tens of thousands of dollars. And sometimes what they're getting isn't very trustworthy or high quality or good. And that's just not okay. Because I don't know if you caught it, the government allows a nonprofit to do it. And you might not know this, but the local church is a nonprofit. And so when we set up the first office, we did it in the church as the church. And since then, we've helped over 40 other churches do it in the church as the church. Phil knows this, but um, for over eight years now, I have prayed that a site would open in Iowa. I don't know you, I didn't know your church existed, but for eight years I've been praying for you. Because Iowa has needed this so bad. Like, Immigrant Connection has people in Iowa that have traveled to Minnesota and Kansas 
We have people that like from Des Moines have like driven to Omaha or they've gone up to the Twin Cities or and like because they're, 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 this is an immigration legal service desert is what we call it. Many of you know what a food desert is. This is one of those places where you have so many immigrants or refugees and just not a lot of providers. And so again and again, it was like, God, would you just raise up a church in Iowa that would do this? Because what I've learned is I can't convince people to do this. This is a little bit complex and, and difficult work. I can find a few passionate people in a church, but it takes the whole church. It takes the body doing this. And so, so grateful when Phil and Natalie and Taryn said, we want to do this. So grateful they actually did. You should ask uh, Natalie and Taryn what they think about Logansport. They've been there and they did training in Logansport with us and, and they got approved. And so you're approved by the federal government to offer immigration legal services, which is amazing and so great and an answer to lots and lots of prayer and an answer to the prayers of countless immigrants who have been looking for someone to be a guide to join the journey to navigate this complexity. And so... One thing I'll just share is just thank you. Thank you for saying yes and being obedient to God. I think most of you might realize this, but obedience is saying yes first. This is how I think obedience is. God, tell me what you want me to do and then let's have a conversation <laughs> and let's see like what we can negotiate here. But it's like when it comes to loving immigrants, again, blind spots aside, God just says, I love immigrants, follow my lead. And your church said yes. And you have great people who have gone through the training and done it. Uh, a, a few things, um, just as I wrap up, just so you get a feel for some of this stuff with Immigrant Connection. We're actually the, the largest of, uh, of our kind. Uh, we're the largest national provider of immigration legal services. Now we have more offices and more trained people. Because if you didn't know this, the local church can do what no other organization can do. We just can we can open offices in the middle of nowhere like Logansport, Indiana, and in the heart of Manhattan, New York City. Because it's hard to do that as a nonprofit to figure out the overhead and things like that. But churches usually have space and they have passionate people who are called by the Holy Spirit to kala'o. And so we can do what others can't. Here's where we are, just so you know. Maybe you have immigrant friends and neighbors in other communities. We're in a lot of places all over the country. We're training right now. Our second office in Iowa will be in Sioux Center. And so uh, we'll have an office in Des Moines and Sioux Center. We'd love to have much more. So if you have friends that live in you know, Waterloo or Storm Lake and things like that, we'd love to talk to them because we'd love to continue to serve far and away. Here's, you might be able to see Natalie and Taryn are somewhere in this picture, but this is a group, just regular people, non-attorneys that have gone through the training and, and joined the journey and become guides. So as I close, I just want to share a couple things. One is this. I don't think this is a call for Phil, Taryn, and Natalie alone. I believe everyone in this room is called to Kala'o. I think there are immigrants in your neighborhoods and workplaces who God is saying to you, proximity is not enough. Like, you can't just be two pieces. I need you to connect. Connection takes intentionality. Uh, we have lots of great ice cream places in Logansport. In fact, if you're ever, literally, if you're ever traveling through north central Indiana, it's worth stopping by. We have great ice cream places that are local. My family goes to Dairy Queen <laughs> once or twice a week. Because at Dairy Queen, 
Mr. Mattel owns Dairy Queen, and as we started going there and ordering, he was always in the drive-thru, and we started having conversations and talking, and his daughter and my son are in the same school, in the same grade, and just over the time, it was like we could have gone other places, but intentionally we decided, I think we should kalao. I, I think we should claho with Jigar, and we should continue going and building a relationship. And over the time, I've, I've met his family. I've helped him with immigration legal stuff. He just actually became a naturalized U.S. citizen, and we helped him and his wife. We've helped his brother be reunited and come to the country. But what it took was intentionality. I have friends who, whether they need gas or not, they always go to the same gas station at the same time every week because the Persian owner of the gas station is there, and they've built a relationship over time. I have people who always go to the same taqueria for lunch and they ask for the same server. And when they're about to pray, they're like, hey, we're about to talk to God about some of the stuff going on in our lives. Anything you'd like us to mention? And over time, they've built relationships. For some of you, it's simply just saying the next time your immigrant neighbor pulls into their driveway, introducing yourself. And it's okay if you can't pronounce their name the first time. Say, I want to do better. Like, my tongue isn't great. <laughs> like, it doesn't have all the muscles. Can you help me pronounce your name right? Because I'd really love just to say, I'm so grateful you're in our neighborhood now. I don't know what it looks like for you, but I promise you there are immigrants in your circles of influence that God is saying proximity is not enough. I call you to Kala'o. And then for the site, please... I'm sharing as Immigrant Connections founder and director, I know what makes sites successful. And it, you have some amazing women who are leading it. And by the way, women leadership makes sites successful. I say that as a middle-aged white guy, like my whole local site is run only by women. They can just do three times more than what I can do. You have great leaders, but you need a whole church behind it. You need a whole church who will pray for them because we are navigating some of the most traumatic experiences in immigrants' lives, and that's hard. Natalie and Taryn have to go home to their own life after already walking through some really hard stuff. So pray for them. Continue to look at that Amazon wish list. There is no better thing an immigration legal office gets than a ream of paper <laughs> or a stack of highlighters. We need those things, and when you, as brothers and sisters, as you as family, give those gifts, it's a huge help. And finally, I think God is probably calling some of you to get more involved. And you want to get more involved right now. But I'll tell you, when you open a legal office, it takes a little bit to get kind of your feet under you. So be patient because in a few months, there's going to be lots of needs that you can fill. It might not happen right now, but it will. And so if God is just stirring something in you to say, I think I want to kalao in this way, Please let Natalie and Taryn and Phil know so that when they need volunteers, they know who to reach out to. Final call. Most important one is just kalao individually with your lives. But don't let Immigrant Connection be a best kept secret. There are immigrants that need to know that your church is doing this. Because right now, like I said, they're driving literally all the way to Chicago or they're driving to the Quad Cities or Omaha. Like they're having to go far and wide to look for people like Natalie and Taryn and they're right here at Table Church. So please share with people. We were just at a Bosnian restaurant and it's like, you know, they, they would need access. They probably have friends and family. It's like, hey, we're here because we're sharing about this wonderful work of Immigrant Connection. So please don't let this be a best kept secret. Uh, please share. I think we're going we're gonna to sing a song in closing. I have a, a, a box of Lego. Uh, I'm a tangible person. I give things away at my church all the time. I clutter all their homes. 
they're not happy, but it, I just need reminders. And so if you need a reminder to pray for Immigrant Connection or share about Immigrant Connection or to claw with immigrants, I would encourage you while we sing this song, feel free to come up and grab a Lego or two and just put it somewhere where you'll see it as a reminder that God calls you to love, welcome, and connect with immigrants. Hey, would you stand with me? I'm going to pray for you and then we're going to sing. Jesus, thank you so much. Thank you that you were a God that kalaoed with us. You were a God that came and joined our journey, that you walked beside us. And yet, Lord, we lament that we have been proximate for far too long to people who are different than ourselves. And proximity alone is not enough. So, Lord, my prayer is through the power of the Holy Spirit, you would call to mind names and faces of people in our lives that you might say, I need to be intentional about kalaoing with. Lord, I pray for Natalie and Taryn and Phil as they lead Immigrant Connection. I pray that you would call to mind the complexities of immigration law, that you would allow them to journey with hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands of immigrants over the course of the coming years, that you would help reunite families, that you would help people get work authorization for the first time, that you would help them in the midst of traumatic situations bring life and hope in a future. Thank you so much for Table Church. Would you bless them for saying yes, saying yes and being obedient to this call to love and welcome immigrants. We pray this in your powerful name, Jesus. Amen.